who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Even hardened genre fans will find themselves whimpering at each new revelation. Publishers Weekly. The Infected Trilogy is an unabridged three-season audio fiction series from number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. Infected is a marvel of gonzo in-your-face up-to-the-minute terror. Lincoln Child, New York Times bestselling author of Relic and the Pendergrass series. 88 episodes, 53 hours of horror are free and available now wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, this is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another uh, episode here, a spoiler review episode here uh, for Loki, episode five from The Geek. Geek? <laughs> oh, buddy! Oh, yeah! Hey! hey, I like it. I like it. We got there. I respect it. We got it. We got it. Yeah, we got there. We adjusted the audio, adjusted the camera. Everybody's cool, but we couldn't quite get the Geek Buddies thing worked out ahead of time. So we, I think we just did it impromptu, and it was great. So thank you so much for joining us here. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun breaking down episode five. We're one episode away from the end of Loki, which is, I mean, I'm getting tears thinking about it. I had such a great time watching these last two episodes, and I can't wait to dive into it with these wonderful people. And uh, let's introduce ourselves. I am... The Outlaw, John Roca, one of the uh, uh, writers and producers here on the Geek Buddies, but also on the Outlaw Nation. Michael. 
I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And joining us every week as she has for this run, Emma Five. How are you? What are, how are things? You know, things are great because remember on the last episode, I said something about how <laughs> we needed Frog Thor to show up. And I think I jokingly said he was going to show up in this episode. And it turns out it was not a joke. <laughs> you were, it wasn't you were joke. right on it. It was completely correct. <laughs> Absolutely. And sitting in for our brother, Shannon McClungan, we are very, very happy to have her back as people loved her on our Loki review last week. The great Aww. Laura Kelly. How are you, Laura? I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for having me back. It's another hot day here in Chicago, so I'm looking Ooh. forward to getting through this and getting back into the air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. All right. What we usually do is break this episode down. We we'll do some. We do some spoiler. We do. I'm oh, sorry. We're going to spoil the whole thing uh, from top to bottom. So if you haven't seen the episode, go back and watch the episode. Come back, hit play, and then continue watching our show. I'll give you one more spoiler warning before we jump into it. Let's go around the horn and see what people thought about this uh, episode overall uh, before we jump into it, specifically scene by scene. Michael Vogel, what was your feeling about episode five? Episode four was so great. Episode five really brought literally the cloud thunder. So what did you think about this episode? It's fucking great. Okay. It was just fucking great. Uh, what was actually what was great, last week was great because <laughs> so much plot happened. Like last week was, yeah. we are rolling out all the plot. And really, when you break it, like this, this was a jam-packed episode, but plot-wise, not a ton happened. And actually what was great about it was that they got so much plot out of the way last week in an amazing episode that like really did a ton of awesome stuff that this week it was pretty straightforward from a A to B to C where they got to, but it gave them so much time for character, so much time for fun, and so much time for just paying off a lot of the emotional stuff that they've been building. And it was just such a satisfying episode in so many ways and really set us up for like a kick-ass finale. I remember, you know, when we got, when we talked WandaVision, I remember Emma was here and we kind of got to that last, the, the, the penultimate episode and we said, they got a lot that they have to accomplish. Yeah. Like they're, and here, I mean, who the fuck knows where this thing is going to go, mm -hmm. but they've got up to the, they, they're there, they got there. So this last episode, mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of space for exploration. So I think this episode did everything it needed to do and gave us all the Easter eggs and ridiculousness and silliness. And like, it was the most Rick and Morty of the episodes that we've had so far. <laughs> I was thrilled. I was thrilled on every conceivable level. Uh, Emma, I think you might take exception a little bit to Michael saying Rick and Morty. We're both Doctor Who fans. This felt, <laughs> I was banging my head against a wall going, this is Doctor Who. Kate Heron has tripped oh, us yeah. all. Oh, this whole series is just like a super excellent serial <laughs> of Doctor Who. And honestly, the BBC should be looking at Kate Heron to work on Doctor <laughs> Who because yes. of her work on Loki has been absolutely incredible. She clearly knows how to do those very sort of heartfelt time travel adventures. Mm -hmm. And again, like we're also dealing again with the fact that Loki is an alien and so much of it is about the human connections yeah. that Loki makes. And that was something that was incredibly evident in this episode. Uh, I would die for alligator Loki. I'm oh, just yeah. throwing that out there. I am obsessed mm -hmm. with alligator Loki. All the scenes 
when the Lokis, after they got out of their underground hideout and they were walking around and just little alligator Lokis walking along behind them, I I died. It's the it's the greatest it's the greatest thing since Baby Yoda. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for speaking somewhere, of Baby Yoda, somewhere somewhere Mike Kalinowski is rolling over in his grave. He's just yeah. mad right now that you said that. <laughs> yeah, not even about this. He's just mad in general. He's just, he's just, he's just mad. He's just mad. <laughs> Laura Kelly, you talk. You mentioned Baby Yoda. That's certainly your wheelhouse. But so much about this also exploring. It's called Journey into Mystery. It's exploring so much of these different Lokis. Were you on Loki Overload, or were you like, give me even more Lokis? There were so many different personalities. Uh, and I do want to give some love to one of my followers, Mike Shea, who said we should all have a sassy ass life. That there is an alligator Loki variant of us in some other uh, dimension. What did you think overall in this lore? <laughs> Indeed, we should all be so lucky. Um, no, I think you know having Loki overloads not like a thing for me at this at this point <laughs> in time yet. I'm just enjoying this. If they were like, we're gonna do 50 episodes in this first season, they're each gonna be five minutes long. Like that might be that might be too much. But this is just this is perfect for me, and I'm loving the pacing of it. I love that we slowed down a little bit in this episode. Mm. I feel like we spent a lot of time sort of world building in the first four episodes and getting to know a lot of those main characters. Now we know all of the main characters were established. Now we're gonna bring we're just gonna throw a couple of curveballs at you with things like <laughs> alligator Loki. Um, and more. And it, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I got to say, I loved President Loki, too. Loved oh. the sass and the attitude. That was oh. some of the sass and attitude we haven't gotten so much out of our sort of main storyline, Loki, I don't think. Yeah. We're getting enough, but we're not getting sort of that same level. And I forgot how much I missed that when we got to see Yeah, him. just like uh, villain yeah. Loki. Yeah. Yes, 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 for sure. But I got to say, the tender moments in this episode mm, absolutely did it for me. That was, yeah. it was just... I didn't think the last week could be topped. And then it was just like crank that thing up to 11 and it was right there. And I loved it. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. This for me, personally speaking, this is the most John Roca episode of Loki. I just was like, <laughs> give me all these different Lokis. I have a lot to think about here. Oh yeah. I remember when I behaved like that. Oh wow. This is so, all of it was so, so interesting and seeing the different versions of it. And plus it was like beautiful visuals all throughout this dropping these little Easter eggs, which we'll talk about as we go along here. But this one, as we said, directed by Kate Heron, but written by Tom Kaufman on this. So Tom Kaufman deserves a, deserves a shout out for a lot of these conversations that happen throughout this episode. And some of them, I may need to have my fellow three uh, Loki reviewers here explain them to me because there was a lot going on that I was trying to figure out as I went along. So we're going to do that now. If you haven't seen the episode, this is your last warning. We are going to spoil the whole damn thing. If you like it being spoiled, then more power to you. It's a free country. Enjoy yourself. But if you haven't, then go see it come back hit play and let's pick it up here all right let's start out here uh first of all we open at the tva kate heron done a, doing a fantastic job to put us in the upside down in essence great technique by director to make make things seem like they're essentially upside down at the tva we slow pan to the golden elevator some interesting hourglass design on the doors then we go to inside and upstairs we see the wreckage of what happened in the previous episode there in the lair of the timekeepers then we move to that destroyed new york city that we had seen in the post credit scene from last episode and we see this massive purple cloud with electricity pulsating throughout it Loki wants to know where he's at, asking all the other Lokis there. Uh, there. He's told that it's the Void, and that's Eliath, and we're his lunch 
Come on, we got to get out of here. Uh, then we move to back. We move back to Sylvie and Ravona. Remember when we left them uh, last week? Sylvie had uh, that. Uh, what do you call that thing? That stick. The 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 boomstick on Ravona. The the, uh, that's right. The, that's it. She, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that I, yeah, I was like, I was like, hmm. Does, do they the have an actual name? <laughs> That's what they used to prune people with. All right, the prune stick. I like it. She uh, she takes uh, uh, Ravona's uh, temp pad and asks Ravona who is behind the TVA. Ravona claims to be as much in the dark as she is. Google and Butha Raw throughout this whole episode, or at least this opening part of this episode, is fascinating and how she's playing this character of Ravona. Certainly a lot more going on than we think here. Uh, they are in the court, uh, and Ravona tells her that Loki might still be alive. Uh, Ravona is is saying uh, that sh- that he that he is and they can figure this out and pruning doesn't she explains that pruning actually doesn't destroy all the matter of the existence it simply sends it to a place at the end of time where it cannot affect the overall timeline says it's the void she calls it that and that the timetable is still being rewritten over there ravona says she can help if sylvie trusts her and we stop there and go into the Loki title card. Mike, a lot being explored here in the back and forth between Sylvie and Ravona. Seems like Ravona's trying to lure Sylvie in, tricking her a little bit. I'm surprised Sylvie falls for it, at least right off the bat. But she's desperate to find Loki, desperate to kill these timekeepers. So what do you think is happening here in this opening? Um, well, first, a lot of exposition, but like this yeah. is why the episode is so great. Shannon and I and you, like we've all talked about this several times over the past several weeks, but exposition is necessary, but it's often clunky. Yes. And when you can tie exposition into character moments, into other beats, it makes it go down a lot easier. And so instantly when we get to the void and we have this amazing shot, like you said, like kind of going through everything, kind of visually reminding us of where we're at. And then you have Loki completely off his game asking a bunch of questions and classic Loki is sort of like da 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 and gives you answers. And then you instantly go over to this Ravona Sylvie scene where in an effort to not be pruned, uh, Ravona is forced to give up some information. But what's really great, I totally agree with you, uh, like the performance like that Gugu and Bathu Ra is doing is amazing mm. because Ravona is such a good liar yeah. that we as the audience are never, we know she's not good. We all called it early on. We all were like, there's something going on here, but does does she really know who's behind everything? You know, did she not? Does she know? And she's doing the best, the best way that you can lie to somebody is give them pieces of the truth. Yeah. So she does explain the void and she does explain that Loki is probably still alive. And she does give enough information that Sylvie, who as a Loki is also a great liar, is like, okay, I might be able to trust you. And it was really great. So it's a great way to be giving exposition, but we're taking it in as we are also like sort of our own bullshit meter is like, well, that sounds true. So is is she good now? I don't know. I'm still nervous. And it was just great. And like these two scenes combined, just set the stage, give us all the information we need so that moving forward, we can just play and have fun. Absolutely. Uh, Emma, I go to you. What stands out about this intro? You're watching the interplay of two of these women who are holding back (laughs) a little bit to try to get their ultimate goal satisfied here. What stood out about the way this whole episode started? I mean, I I feel I felt even though I I, to echo what Mike was saying, this Mm. whole thing about the idea that we know Ravona is bad, but I couldn't help 
but want her to be good. <laughs> yes. You know what I like? I think, and I think that that's kind of the thing, you know, you brought up the idea of like, I can't believe that Sylvie believed her, but I think that like she's in a place wherein, and, and they, explore this later in the episode also that she has no one she has no friend she has no right. one who's looking out for her or helping her and so i think in that moment especially the person who she associates with having been the one who robbed her of her chance at having any sort of life with connections i think that there is a part of her that like me wanted to believe ravona and so mm. she kind of does even though she doesn't really if that makes yeah. any sense yeah yeah, she buys it for now so that she can get yeah. to the next thing and then yeah. she'll figure out what she's going to do next. Yeah, she certainly she's been through a lot of crazy, crazy situations, Laura. Yes. So you, you feel she's got her own ability to trust her instincts when stuff starts going down. What stuck out to you about this whole intro here? Well, I like Mike's word of the uh, bullshit meter because that's what was just flying <laughs> off the charts for me during these Ravona Sylvie scenes. Um, I, I just kind of kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then once we started talking about the spaceship, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but I got to say, I really enjoyed this. The, the intro and like the first scenes in this episode, we've got the camera sort of um, twisting clockwise mm. in the beginning. And we're, while we're sort of turning upside down, you know, kind of getting that yes everything's sort of turned upside down at the tva everything's chaos whatever but then when we switch to the scene that is panning through or zooming through the um where the time keepers are and we see mm -hmm. the the timekeeper head on the floor it starts turning counterclockwise oh, so i'm kind nice. of watching this and i'm just like trying to read into it too much and i don't think there's anything there but i had fun watching it and trying to pay attention to these <laughs> things anyway um but i gotta say this Elias character, the cloud, this purple storm cloud in the void. Did it look a little bit like the like sand monster in Aladdin to anyone else? Oh, <laughs> I could see that. First I could see that. Came to okay. my mind. <laughs> it just just a little bit looked the like cave, it, which mean, was kind of fun. The cave of wonders? You said yeah. like yeah, like cave, a little bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 a little yeah. bit. A little bit. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I had a little bit of that vibe too, which I enjoyed. But yeah, overall, I was sort of surprised that Sylvie was kind of buying into any of this bullshit with Ravona because I kind of kept waiting for it to, to twist too. But I think what Emma said makes a lot of sense. Like she spent all this time alone. She wants to try and trust somebody. Yeah. Um, and even you know, if this is the person that's in front of her, and this is the opportunity to do it, you know, what choice does she have well, in the moment? Yeah. And also, I mean, and, and this is where, even though Sylvie is very different than other Lokis in a lot of ways, and, you know, some of this comes into play later, she's still a Loki, and a Loki mm -hmm. takes whatever, like, there's no other options. Like, your yeah. options are either believe yeah. her, or yeah. mm, where do you go? So yeah. she is in that typical Loki thing. She's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, and this is the option. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's that going on. Uh, also, had... we just, oh, yeah, oh, just really quickly on the Easter egg front before we miss oh, them. Yeah. Uh, as we're going through on the, all the Easter eggs. First, the title itself, Journey into Mystery, is in itself a big, uh, one of the big Easter eggs of the episode um, because that is the comic book where Thor and Loki first appeared in 1962. Oh, wow. So that Thor in cool. issue 83 and Loki in issue 85, and that eventually became the Thor comic book. Thor but comics, so yeah. Journey into Mystery is actually the first big Easter egg. And uh, when, when Laura was talking about that shot going through the city as we got to yeah. those Lokis, it's where we see what looks like Avengers Tower, except it has uh, Kang Enterprises, Q-E-N-G. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Which... Wait, is mm -hmm. the... 
this isn't the point that we saw the helicopter or the. No, no that was a little bit later. That was later. Yeah. The helicopter was a little bit later. Was all, I mean, this episode was just full of them. So, uh, but yeah, as far as like the top one, like this is a big one because Kang Enterprises is from in the comics where Tony sold Avengers Tower to a guy named Mister Griffin, who was yeah. really a variant of Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. Uh, Kang, aka Loki, is Mephisto. Um, so, <laughs> but definitely oh, no. a giant Kang Easter egg right there. I just want it to be actual Mephisto um, just to screw with everybody because everyone was so fixated on it during WandaVision. Yeah, totally. (laughs) He just does a middle finger and walks off. That's what I was like. Uh, Laura, Laura, I had also uh, the smoke monster from Lost in my head. I also had uh, what's-his-face from Green Lantern, the smoke thing that Clancy Brown voiced in Green Lantern. Mm. So I I get real, like, I get PTSD over smoke monsters. So when I see them, I'm like, you better make this work. You better make this work. I will say, but yeah, and I was having I was having PTSD from uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer, uh, the Cloud Galactus. Oh, right. uh, and I did have and I did have the thought in this episode at one point later on, I kind of did go, see, that's how you fucking do a cloud monster. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Said it there. All right, let's move on. We go back to the void, and this time the Loki's are all walking together. I'm loving these head bopping or headless or necklace peacocks whatever those things are i love them uh so uh, loki asks for clarification of what the void is where they're at he gets it finds out uh what ravona found out uh, or what ravona told sylvie here about the void and all of it this is a void where all of pruned existence comes to clash into itself so we're going to see some crazy images in this area. And all the Lokis, he finds out, were pruned themselves. Eliath eats their existences and does not allow them to return to the tame, the main timeline. Loki is desperately trying to figure this out. And the music you hear I wrote down is so Doctor Who that, come on now, is what I really wrote. All right, Kid, <laughs> Kid, Kid Loki reveals his Nexus event is that he killed Thor. Because Loki is going like, oh, your majesty, what did you do? And he just said, yeah, I killed Thor. Uh, and that stops Loki in his tracks. They go into some weird underground bunker here. And as it pans down, I wrote, is that Mjolnir? Is that Frog Thor in a jar? Uh, and sure enough, it was. This design in the bunker is like part Big Lebowski, part Pittsburgh Steelers, candy canes, all <laughs> kinds of madness in this thing. Emma Fife, you got your Frog Thor. But I talk got to Frog me, Thor! <laughs> but talk to me about this whole sequence of the Lokis explaining the void to Loki and then going out to this underground bunker. Yeah, okay, so also Frog Thor was in a little jar that yes. said T365, which is a reference to the Mighty Thor number 365, oh. in which Thor was turned into a frog um, and fought against, I, I think, what is it, like the rats try to take over his kingdom and he teams up yeah. with alligators who the rats thinks are dragons uh, to like take back the the uh sores of new york kingdom but anyway um no i was i was so excited about frog thor i was like oh yes because i had said that i wanted it last week um so this scene to me okay i just have to say that richard e grant um is having the most fun of anyone in the marvel cinematic universe possibly ever uh he's just (laughs) so great and the way that they play him as this mature character but with like a real deference for everything that he's been through and like they get more into it later but like just right from the beginning we established that it's like this guy has no like he 
I don't want to say like he has no pride, but he's somebody mm. that like doesn't allow pride to get in his way. We see immediately from the beginning, which is so contrary to what that image of the classic Loki is all yeah. about, which is this very sinister mustache twirly sort of villain. And so to see him being like, yeah, obviously like kid Loki, he's the one. Cause I mean, he killed Thor. That's <laughs> that. That's what we all wanted to achieve, right? At some point. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, boastful Loki, of course, chiming in with his oh my two God, cents. Oh, my God, So fantastic. And we yeah. should give a shout out to the actors who are playing, uh, obviously, Richard E. Grant. But Kid Loki is Jack Veal, and boastful Loki is Diobia. Diobia Oparai. Hope I'm saying that right. But uh, you go into this uh, whole sequence with them having the back vote. Loki, of course, Tom Hiddleston demanding answers. Here, Laura Kelly, that is standard look, stopping things until he gets his answers. And then, of course, being surprised by the answers he does get and then climbing into this weird bunker. Uh, what stood out for you from the walk, the frog Thor, and then the bunker? Well, the lesson is to don't die the entire time. But I love how <laughs> annoyed he was by this. Um, I got to say the humor in these scenes was just killing me of Loki saying that he doesn't think that the, the alligator variant of himself is all that strange. At this point, yep. he's seen some shit. So, it's yeah. you know, nothing's going to surprise him anymore. <sighs> and I got to say, as the audience and as the audience member who didn't know what alligator Loki was or what frog Thor was, I didn't. I didn't see it coming, and I also was just like, yeah, okay, no, let's we can, we can move on. I, I accept this. Uh, but it was, you know, one of the things that stood out to me in these scenes was sort of how how different the explanation of what the void is, mm. um, how the, those scenes were explained by Ravona previously to, to Sylvie, and how these three Lokis are explaining it um, to Loki in these particular scenes, talking about how this is where the TVA dumps its rubbish, yeah. Um, and, you know, talking about how Eliath always returns, Ravona, you know, neglects to mention Eliath, mm. I, interestingly enough. So, you know, if you have any, if you have any kind of guess that she might not be all bad, I'm, I think she's probably pretty all bad. The fact that she left out that small little detail that, by the way, you're going to get dumped in a bus yeah. when you get pruned, <laughs> and then you are going to get chased by a storm cloud. So yeah. good luck. That's Didn't include that. Eat you and erase your existence entirely. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Best a part of, of the game. Yeah, exactly. Michael, this this is, you know, you should talk about, you, you start to see, Laura brought up a great point, the difference between how uh, Ravona explains the void and how uh, uh, the Lokis explain the void, who actually in the void and what yeah. they experience so you understand now the void has consequences this alive cloud can virtually remove you from existence unless they discover what's beyond the void which starts to become a prevalent part of this episode right around this time so this what stood out for you here seeing the interactions here i mean how much does alligator loki have your heart already like talk to me about this whole thing I what I find really because like with, as far as Eliath goes, like he's very effective. Uh, there's yes. nobody like what I find interesting is the amount of Lokis that are running around because as has been established multiple times in the series, what a Loki does is survive. Yeah. Like Lokis always get out by the skin of their teeth. Lokis don't always succeed. In fact, most of the time they don't. Uh, they fail, but they don't die. They always just manage to get away. And so having, you're at the end of the line, you are literally at the end of time, and there's a giant cloud monster that clearly is eating anyone who gets dumped there, because there's lots of variants that aren't Lokis, but may, mostly it's just a bunch of Lokis running around because they're like cockroaches <laughs> and you can't kill them, um, which I thought was absolutely amazing. Uh, I, like everybody, 
would die for alligator Loki. <laughs> I, for, 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 for a Loki who is so silent, he says so much. Um, I, I truly love that he is an alcoholic with a temper. Um, yes. Which I find when like he's just the, drinking fox like, wine in the kiddie pool. Like he's just like Thanks. in the kiddie pool doing his thing. And like even though I know this is the next mm. scene, yeah. boy, when he gets pissed, oh, you don't yeah. see him coming. You don't nope. see him coming. He's gonna come for you. Like it is it's just it is amazing to me that the show, kind of to Laura's point, as someone, you know, as Laura was saying, that she's someone who's not as familiar with all of the weirdness of the Loki comics and everything, that the show has taken us on a journey where whether you're a super nerd who's read every Thor comic or you're not, it's gotten you to the point where you're like, sure, yeah, that's a Loki. I, <laughs> yeah. I guess that makes sense to me now. Uh, and it's like, it. <laughs> it's just amazing that the show has been allowed to get that weird. I also particularly love that there's just this running gag throughout the show that every Loki thinks every other Loki's plan is garbage. Like yes. every time that, like, like, like these guys are like, these guys are like, don't die. Like that, and Loki's like, don't die is not a plan. That's literally the demand of living. Like that is what, not, not dying is living. Like that's all it is. Yeah. And they're like, nope, that's, that's what we do. And he's like, but what's the plan? And Sylvie, you know, gets there a little bit later and she did it the same um, on Lamentis where she was like, that's your plan? Like that's a horrible plan. Like right. everyone, everyone is dogging on everyone else's plan, and it is delightful. <laughs> of course, because they didn't think of it. I'm sure we've worked for people like that who think their plan uh, is completely correct. Oh yeah, their plan sucks. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. I also did love just the detail of, and I mean, it makes sense, and of course, because like Kid Thor is the king. I huh. love the detail that even in their shitty bunker bowling alley, they built a throne out of Christmas candy cane. Like, like they're Lokis. Mm -hmm. They must have a throne. They, yeah. The goal of a Loki is to have glorious purpose and sit on a throne. And so, of course, what are all these Lokis fighting about <laughs> at the end of time? Who's king and who gets to sit on the throne? Right. Exactly. <laughs> you love it. You love it. Uh, all right. So we go back to the TVA. Ravona and Sylvie are uh, having this back and forth. Ravona is asking Miss Minutes for the files on the beginning of time. Uh, maybe even playing for a little bit of time. Stalling here. Sylvie wants to know about the end of time. Actually, what's beyond the void? You know, Sylvie is so intelligent. She's immediately already figuring this out. She's the one person whose plans I do trust. Uh, yes. Ravona says, yeah, the one Loki you should trust. Ravona says they can't get there because the temp pad can't lock onto anything. Uh, and Sylvie says, well, we'll just need to go through it. Then Ravona says that's suicide, which makes Sylvie go, well, uh, you know, then I, I guess your usefulness is over and uh, threatens to kill her with the prune stick, as we're calling it. All of a sudden, Miss Minutes... the pointy end. <laughs> the po yeah, with the pointy end, so it's going to hurt. Uh, all of a sudden, Miss Minutes suggests out of nowhere a void spaceship. This is where I was like, a bullshit. And which Ramona yeah. <laughs> immediately agrees to all of a sudden doing a yes and improv with Miss Minutes that they can use to find Loki. Sylvie says to, that she wants to kill whoever is behind it. And Ram Ravona immediately sticks out her hand and says, together. You know, trying to latch on, create some kind of semblance of teamwork here. She's a survivor, I wrote. This is all nonsense. She will betray her. I literally wrote that. Then Miss Minutes <laughs> can't see. That's what I was thinking. Miss Minutes can't seem to find the files. And yep, she's totally playing for time. And then all of a sudden, these Minutemen show up. Sylvie jumps behind the judge's stand. And her and Ravona have a back and forth about her surrendering. Sylvie wonders... Maybe if Ravona got a bit too real, maybe for all the stuff she was doing, there was some realism to what she was talking about, trying to find out, trying to say that she wants to find out who's behind all of this as well. Ravona says, well, look, I'll only punish you by putting you in a time loop, asks if she has any good memories. 
Sylvie says she has one, stands up, and then prunes herself. Laura, what a scene here between these two incredible actresses, but also what was what incredible stuff was laid out here, and then Sylvie putting a button on this scene and pruning herself. Talk to me about this scene. Oh my gosh. So I got to say, Miss Minutes jumping in, oh. in this scene where, where specifically when Sylvie goes to threaten to, to kill Ravona, is that's exactly when she jumps in. I'm just like, uh-uh. Miss Minutes and Ravona are in this together. <laughs> Ravona's cahoots. just like, yeah. They're in I cahoots. Love, I do love the, the yes and. She really did. Yes. Like, yes and here, Ravona. Well done in improv class. Uh, but I gotta say, uh, this this part where Sylvie like prunes herself, I still even for just a second, I was just like, ah. Oh. Like, no, like for just a sec, I kind of like forgot like what what was about to happen um, because it was still just kind of like devastating and sad to watch. Uh, but I think leading up to that, Ravona at one point when she goes to, you know, say like, trust me or whatever it is she says and holds her yeah. hand out, she she puts her hand out just a little bit too fast. Yes. And I think that's sort of Sylvie's first clue, like, OK, or not first clue, probably last clue of like. Yeah, that, that puts the cherry on top that this is all bullshit, I think. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I really loved the explanation here of the fact that, you know, we we have to just go through the void and that's how we're <laughs> going to do it. And as, oh, maybe there's a spaceship. Oh, well, that's great. And I guess there's not. It was just, it was fun. It was a fun yeah. scene. And a, uh, I love where it ultimately leads and I won't go any further than that. Okay. Uh, Michael, you know, you look at this and, and at what point do you think Sylvie knows Ravona is BSing her? Uh, is it when Miss Minute starts to all of a sudden can't find the files? By the way, the animation there and Tara Strong's performance as Miss Minutes is genius. Oh, any minute now, any minute now. I was gonna That's say you said so, you so said funny. yeah you said the performance of the two great actresses. I would say the three oh, great three. actresses. You're right. Uh, don't 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 you forget Miss Strong. Um, but yes, she uh, yeah my my <laughs> I was like I was watching it and when Miss Minute said. Well, there's the void spaceship. I went, <laughs> you little clippy bitch. She's clippy. I was like, you? Oh, I don't even know if you're alive or not, but you're a fucking liar. Oh, I was so like betrayed by Miss Minutes. Um, I think, I think as soon as Sylvie heard void spaceship, her bullshit meter was like, eh. she let them. I think she let them keep going, but I do, and I do think Laura's right. I think like Ravona did come out a little too fast with that handshake um yeah. but what also what i loved about this scene um and again great exposition for setting us up for where we need to go but True. even with the limited information that ravona has given sylvie about the void with the little bit that she knows she goes there and extrapolates well if i was hiding in apocalypses because they were the end of everything and nothing i did was going to cause a nexus event and this is the end of time this is the ultimate apocalypse. Like nothing anybody does would, would this is the ultimate hiding yeah. space. This is the place, like we found the place. And I think that that might, and I'm again, we'll find out next week exactly how much Ravona really knows. But I think that is something Ravona didn't know either. I, mm -hmm. I think that whatever Ravona, like I think that yeah. was new information for her as well. And I think that was really interesting. I could be totally wrong on that, but it was really interesting and just great that Sylvie put two and two together. And then just, you know, as far as like this whole, this whole series uh, is really just about, depending on how you want to look at it, connection or self-love. Self-love because they're all fucking Lokis. So it's really yeah. just <laughs> loving yourself, but it's also about like connection. And the, this is the thing that none of the Lokis in all of history and every variant 
have. And so the fact that when Ravona says, don't do you have like one good memory? And she says, yeah, one. And she's thinking about sitting on Lamentis with Loki. Like that's yeah. like that is the, I have one good memory. Oh, I'm going to go. I think Loki's probably at this void too. prune myself. And I thought that was just such a beautiful, it was like, it, it was, it was getting the plot forward. It was getting everywhere we needed to go, but it was also a beautiful character moment. Yeah, Emma, are we building a friendship here? A friendship to to last all time? You know, this is this is something Ravona said to 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 Mobius, right? Our friendship is an unusual kind of friendship. It's not a, a friendship that we. But this is the actual unusual friendship. This is the friendship that actually really matters between Sylvie and Loki. Uh, and I don't know if it's more than that, and, and nor does mm-hmm. it have to be. It's great that this, you see this affection for each other. What about all of this sequence here with her and uh, her and Ravona here? Uh, and at what point did you sense Ravona was full of shit? Okay. <laughs> I played too many Final Fantasy games. Um, so I believed the time ship thing for a second. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, naturally, the time <laughs> That's awesome. That is they awesome. all have a freaking ship that is the solution to your problems. It's always like, okay, well, we got to go steal the airship so we can get to the thing. So I truly believed it for a second. And then when Miss Minutes was having a hard time locating the files, I I, I think that was when I, I kind of saw Sylvie piecing it together and I was in the exact same headspace mm. of her of like, damn it, she they're stalling for time. They're stalling for time. There's about to be an ambush here. Uh, but I will say again, like it, it, I I think that there is the thing I was saying earlier, echoing this idea of Sylvie being somebody that is starting to, she's experienced through Loki, another version of Mm -hmm. herself, somebody showing like genuine compassion for her. I mean, he asked her in the last episode when they were reunited before they went in to see the timekeepers after they'd been separated, are you all right? And I think that that is probably one of the first times she's ever had anybody that cared whether or not she was all right. And so I think that, again, like that is something that she is grasping for. And so to then have that moment of her saying, Oh, I have one good memory standing up and then like stabbing herself with the, with the pruning end of the, of the pruning rod. Uh, it was so cool to me. Yeah. I was like, Oh yeah. Like she's just, she's going for it. And I, I, and, and again, like this is somebody who you're seeing her interactions with Tom Hiddleston, Loki mm. rubbing off on her because she is somebody that is normally a, let's plan, let's plot. With Ravona. she was moving towards having a real well thought out sort of Sylvie plan. And then she just had to live in the moment and and do what needed to be done. And she did. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's uh, let's move on from there. Uh, We'll go back to the underground bunker of the Lokis. Uh, A boastful Loki is claiming that he killed Captain America and Iron Man and got the Infinity Stones. And then Alligator Loki calls him out saying that he's a liar. (laughs) By the way, wait, time out. I just love that we are living in a world where you just said that sentence and it made sense. Boastful (laughs) Thor, Boastful Thor said he got the Infinity Stones, but Alligator Loki called him, or or Boastful Loki, and then Alligator Loki called him out. Best sentence ever. Truly is. is. But I also love that Alligator Loki and like OG Loki, uh, C-3PO, R2-D2 situation of like C-3PO constantly interpreting what R2-D2 is saying. And it's just Richard E. Grant (laughs) interpreting what Alligator Loki is saying. 
Uh, I think my favorite is like, he's praying. He's praying for us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, old Loki, Richard E. Grant, talks about Thanos and the uselessness of their blades. This is a great meta moment or moment mm -hmm. where these Lokis are talking about something they all have in their, uh, no matter what timeline they're in, they have these blades. And his cavity, he's ruminating about the uselessness of them. And now I wrote this. I now want to see all their Thors. I would like to yeah. see their Thors in their <laughs> timelines. Uh, Loki tells a story of how he escaped Thanos. Dis this is old uh, old Loki. Disappeared as debris. Spent a long time thinking about the pain he had caused, and he hid away on a planet. He only got caught by the TVA when he started to get lonely, and he wondered if Thor or anyone missed him. As soon as he took a few steps off the planet, the TVA got him, and he says they only have one part to play in all of their timelines. They're the god of outcasts. Uh, but Loki doesn't want to accept... Our our Loki, I guess I'll call from now, and our Loki wants to escape uh, and tells him he's not going to sit around here and deal with the stuff. Come with me. And they all just fall back and, and laugh and, and let him go out. He heads out to find Sylvie, uh, as I said, and this elicits the laughter. But our Loki is determined. He opens the hatch and he finds a team of even more Lokis <laughs> led by the president version of himself uh, uh, looking down at him. Uh, Michael, I'm going to stop here because... This scene is so great. Just it's as a comic book. Look, what's the base foundation of a lot of us? It is reading those comics uh, as a 10 year old in your room and thinking about all the stuff that's involved in canon and who has what, what, who does what. Seeing a bunch of Loki sit around and talk about their realities that you read in comic books as a real thing was so awesome. Talk to me about this whole scene and seeing this team of Lokis. Yeah, well, I mean, like, first of all, this is what I was talking about about this episode, not having a ton that it had to do, so you got the time to play. And this whole yes. scene is you have the time to do all of what you just said, which is everything in the comics that Ned didn't quite make the cut for the MCU gets its moment to shine. <laughs> everything from Frog yeah. Thor to, you know, all the different pieces. And so seeing these different Lokis kind of reflecting on their different things, A, just it's nerdy and it's fun and it's like a geek fest. But the other part of it that's really interesting is that, again, this whole show is about the connection and like that Lokis just lack connection. And mm -hmm. I mean, and we'll talk more about it. And you kind of mentioned it before, but this whole debate of, are Sylvie and Loki friends? Are they lovers? Is it a romance? Like it kind of like, to me at least, that's immaterial. That doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. What yeah. matters is the connection. The reason that Loki and, and Sylvie had that moment was that Lokis don't have connection and they finally got that connection. That's what caused the Nexus event. And as each of these them are going, you know, we don't know a ton about Boastful Thor. Uh, right. I mean, I keep calling him Thor. He just looks like a Thor to me. It's because yeah, he's got Loki. Like a Thor. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> It's it's the thing about boastful Loki. We don't know a ton about him, but because he betrays everybody, it's safe to assume he doesn't have a lot of connections. Um, but then your classic Loki, Richard E. Grant, tells this whole beautiful story that you were just talking about about like he got so fed up with anything he went to live by himself. And then what brought him out of hiding? He was lonely and he wondered how his brother was. I mean, that's someone who's really looking for connection. And then Kid Loki killed his brother, so no yeah. connection. We know our Loki story. Kevin Feige made such a big deal out of this is a Loki before Thor 3. This is a Loki yeah. before he started to have that connection. And even Sylvie, she's gone through her whole life with nobody. So, like, you know, as fun as it is and as geeky and cool as it is to be like, oh, Infinity Stone's here and you did this and you did that, this is also really a bunch of Lokis kind of bragging and talking and all this stuff. And then 
when Loki's like, I wa- I'm going to go do something different, Kid Loki is like, you're different. Why are you different from us? And he just talks about Sylvie for like five minutes. He's like, I met a woman version of us. She's amazing. She's smart. She's this. Right. And that's what, and so, yeah, they all laugh at him and they're like, you're a dumbass. It's not going to work. But you're automatic. Like they lay it out right there. Like, why are you different? Oh, you had connection. Uh, and yep. it's just a beautiful, beautiful scene. Like, and it's amazing to me that they can have something that's so weird, so geeky, so Easter eggy, so funny. And also like, oh, this is exactly what the show is about, which was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Emma, I mean, there's so much here uh, in how they react to a female Loki in this whole situation, even though they've got their own stories. They're just like, it's it's ridiculous this is going to work. Uh, but he's able to get out of that bunker. And just as he's about to, he's met by all these Loki. So you tell me, what did you take away from this scene? Well, I don't think there's anything I can say that Mike hasn't hit upon, okay. which is, again, like really establishing that theme of connection and how that is the thing that Lokis are lacking. And we see that you have in old Loki and in, in, in alligator Loki and kid Loki, these three people who, and an alligator, the alligator's a person as far as yeah. I'm concerned, yeah. you yeah. know, the alligator's family. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, th- but it is so important to establish at this point, this idea of longing for, connection that we don't see in boastful loki as it applies to how things go down at the Mm. end of the episode that's a great point we don't see boastful loki necessarily Mm -hmm. and we'll get to him of course uh, uh, turning on everybody but even kid loki there's a laura there's a lingering sadness in kid loki's tone of voice when he's communicating with anybody so this removal of thor um when it's completed is often difficult, right? It seems like, I mean, just like Joker has said many times, like about Batman, like, I don't want to kill you. Like, I need you to exist and vice versa. And it seems like Thor and Loki need each other to exist. When one is out of the way, it's a despondent existence. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's a really sad thought, I think. Um, But I love that that sort of has put this kid on a pedestal and made him king of nowhere, wherever they are, the yeah. void. Um, I, I got to take a step back, though, from all of this, because I think you guys made great points. There's a couple of really funny moments in these scenes that I just could not get past. For one, they linger on that Roxy exceptional Pinot Noir <laughs> box of wine like, a little too long. They do. To the point where I'm just like, what am I supposed to get out of this? Like, I remember at the store before, I don't know. Um, and the fact that Richard E. Grant then pours some of the wine in the Gator's mouth and then we cut to the kid who has a juice box i just (laughs) these little like details were just killing me in this bunker scene and yeah the fact that we have the line of you know you know we're the same have you ever met a woman variant of us and richard and grant's gone that sounds terrifying (laughs) absolutely killed me i just i could not get past it and i i went back and watched this episode i think like a total of three times today because i just enjoyed these scenes so much uh but yeah we I just, I enjoyed all of the humor that we got out of this. We also get, you know, Loki trying to escape from the bunker and, you know, running into all of the other Lokis and just being like, this is a nightmare. Like, even yeah. he at this point is just like, this is awful. I can't believe I'm stuck in this reality. It's just, it, it was just killing me. Um, but to back up to just one point that I think we may have missed, and there's maybe it's me reading too much into it, but mm. right after Sylvie, like, self-prunes, the camera cuts back to like one of the hunters or one of the Minutemen in the room. Oh yeah. And mm. you know, 
the hunter's like, oh, she's she's self-pruned. And Ravona's like, oh, good. She's dead, too. And then she turns and leaves. And he kind of, like, turns and looks at her. Mm-hmm. And the camera just lingers on him, looking at her, to the point where I'm just like, is he starting to get suspicious? Are they all starting to get suspicious around yeah. the table? Yeah. Other people starting to pick up on this? And it's just going to get more chaotic there, I think, the more times we cut back to it. So mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see if that starts to maybe play out in the finale a little oh, yeah. bit. I think that's, no, I think that's, a, I, that's that, I think that's definitely what that was. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that, but I yeah, agree. That's Hunter D90. And you're right, Laura. The last three episodes, he's had these like little extra seconds in scenes where he's shown a little bit of a harder edge than any of the Hunters or even uh, uh, Ravona about the situation. So... That could come into play here as we go into the finale next week. And, of course, the Roxy one is a is a callback to Roxy Cart, right? Roxy Cart, where they were at there. So, right. yeah, but the lingering yeah. is interesting, too, for which sure. Is a, which is a callback to Roxy Roxy Cart, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Which weird. is, aside we'll... from Oscorp, yeah, aside from Oscorp, the other bad corporation in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yes. Wheels within wheels, Featured man. prominently in uh, Agent Carter. Yes. Yeah. And Cloak and Dagger, I believe. Ooh. Yes. I like that. All right. Sylvie wakes up in the back of the bus in the void. The Aliath, uh, the Aliath, how, how do you say it? Oliath? How do you guys say it? How are you guys Eliath, saying it? Like Goliath. Goliath. That's it. That's it. The Aliath uh, shows up and tries. By the way, the, sh- the Aliath is from the comics. That was a rival of Kang the Conqueror in the comics. So that's not out of the realm of possibility here. The Aliath shows up and tries to kill her. She uh, pulls a bit of magic and connects with the Aliath and sees this like castle in the distance just for a second this is brilliantly shot the the just the semi slow motion for just a second the pause and then boom we're out of here and she's going uh and suddenly a car shows up honking with a pizza slice on it and it's mobius mobius is back they drive away from Eliath back to the Lokis, uh, and then we go back to the Lokis in the bunker. Uh, the main Loki seems to be some, oh yeah, the, the the King Loki. Oh, sorry, what is it? The King Loki is that what you want to call him? The Kid Loki is King Loki. Kid Loki, yeah, yeah Kid, Kid Loki. Loki, Kid Loki, Kid Loki, King Loki, yeah, sure, King, 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 King Loki. <laughs> King Loki is there uh, with all the other Lokis, and of course uh, the the President Loki has come down with with his Lokis, uh, and uh, uh, boastful Loki turns on the other three, and it turns out. That he made a deal with the president. Uh, so, and then the 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 main Loki, to our Loki, uh, says, uh, "No, sorry." The president Loki says, "I've changed the terms of the deal, so he can be king." And then all the Lokis turn on him after he turns on boastful Loki. And then a Loki battle royal breaks out with our Loki, that's our Tom Hiddleston Loki, dancing in between the pockets of space to escape getting hit. Kid Loki grabs alligator Loki and protects him. Uh, And then old Loki uh, creates a projection of the original of those Lokis there that were there, which allows them to escape up through the portal. And old Loki is frustrated at how broken the Lokis are. We're always just going to do this. Why can't we get past this? Uh, And kid Loki says when it's the reason we can't is because whenever any of us starts to change, change or be better they are sent into the void it's very interesting uh and then uh, our loki says mm. that that's why the tba needs to be stopped nothing can change in our timelines in our existence as loki until they cease to exist uh he says sylvie is the only chance of stopping the tba and the other three lokis who had been laughing earlier about helping him now are determined to help him go forward and go and find sylvie and possibly 
destroy the TBA and uh, take on Elioth uh, down the road here. Uh, Emma, what are, we, what are we grabbing here? What are we taking from these uh, these altercations and these these uh, battles in the bunker mm. here? Well, listen, uh, President Loki will no longer be grabbing anything, I believe, with his right hand um, as it was <laughs> uh, unceremoniously consumed by Alligator Loki, which was... <laughs> what a great scream, Emma. What Absolutely. Well done. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Uh, I mean, the Loki Battle Royale, it, it was. It was so oh. great. And, and again, like, I know I keep harping on Richard E. Grant and how incredible his performance is in this, but... Old Loki has seen some shit. Yeah. And, and, and like Richard E. Grant just conveys that with his very being. Like this guy is fucking tired. He's tired. He just wants to like live out his life in the void with his son slash king slash himself, Kid Loki, and their pet alligator Loki. You know what I mean? Like, again, you get this whole idea of it makes sense that the other two the other three loki excuse me who escape with our tom hiddleston loki are immediately like you know what we're in yeah. let's go because we need to fight for something we can't just survive because the fact of the matter is is yes they are just surviving but they have inadvertently formed these connections with one mm -hmm. another mm -hmm. um but again beautiful beautiful subtext absolutely hilarious scene like that yeah, is yeah. that is this entire episode in a nutshell yeah absolutely i mean laura we're, we're, emma makes excellent points here as well and then and you jump into this idea of the you know how many of us look back on our own lives and some of the things that we were like yes. doing the same patterns over and over again in a different versions of ourselves in different situations going and then we as we get older we go why did i ever do any of that and then it's like how do i how do i break out of this and you try to kind of stop this whole thing but there's something that eliminates us or stops us in those moments from trying to progress from wanting to be better and this is a fascinating exploration a human exploration if i if i may say so about uh, yourself what you go through as you get older in life and certainly as emma pointed out old loki is really wise because of how he looks at all of it and the uselessness of the fights but uh, you know boastful loki's out of the way now laura we have Kid Loki, Alligator Loki, and Old Loki with our Loki, uh, and they, you would argue, are the most introspective of the Lokis uh, overall, and that may be why this plan has a chance to uh, succeed. What do you think about this whole scene and, and them climbing out of this bunker? Well, introspective, I think, is a great way to describe the Richard E. Grant character. I mean, oh, yeah. he... he he really is having so much fun in this role, but I love that one of the things that he's bringing to it in as this character is that he's not proud. He's not a prideful person, which I think is one of those key, yeah. like, you know, attributes to who Loki is. He's always a very proud character. And we've really, like, Richard E. Grant has totally gotten past that in the phase of life that he's yeah. in. And I just mm -hmm. love that he brings that to this character. He brings that levity to it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying his performance a lot too, especially towards the end. It's, it just, it pays off, I think, in a great way. Yeah. Um, but I got to say this, you know, you somebody made the point about this, these shots of the speeding up um, or slow, the slow-mo yeah. shots followed immediately by speeding up through these like really quick little shots of what Sylvie is seeing mm -hmm. in the, in this vision when she enchants um, Elias. Mm -hmm. So I, I had to, 
you know, like most nerds, I stopped and paused. <laughs> I'm I'm all about it. And so, you know, I'm seeing like you see the colorful like clouds in space and the castle yeah. on the rocky hill. And then there's like an orange sky on fire. But like just at the top of the tower is yeah. just that one small little part that's orange. Um, and then a bright flash. And then we're right back to Sylvie and it's slow motion again. It, it just is really, really beautiful yeah. how they did it. It was yeah, really probably. fun to watch. Um, the pizza slice on top of the car. Part of me was hoping when I first saw it from a distance, I'm like, what if it's the pizza planet car from all yeah. the Pixar movies? That would have just been like a, it just, I would have just loved it. It would have been all a right. dumb time that makes no <laughs> sense, but I would have loved we, it. Okay. But we do have to talk about the fact, and I, I can't take credit for this. I saw Jenny Nicholson tweet something oh. about it, that this was a missed opportunity to have Owen Wilson show up oh. in lightning McQueen base at oh. like as the car, you know, to like rescue I would have been, been okay if he just pulled up, rolled down the window, and just said "kachow." Like I, yeah. that would have been enough for me. Like "kachow." Like <laughs> that's good. That's good. I like so that. Perfect, uh, Michael. We got the you know a lot of it about. I mean, he's he was just talking about the uselessness of the blades. Now he's talking about the overall uselessness of the Lokis. If we can't advance past yeah. a certain thing about fighting yeah. over this useless throne in a place called the void. It's just a useless pursuit to achieve status. What does it really all mean? So I, yeah. what struck out of you? What struck you as you're watching this scene here? Well, I think his, his speech, which I'll get to in a second is great, but I think leading yeah. up to it, which is even, which, which supports it is everything that, uh, that, that everyone else said about the fight scene being hilarious and funny. And Richard E. Grant is just like owning the entire scene. It's all great. My favorite part of the scene was our Loki standing to the side, watching this triple betrayal yeah. go down with just yeah. a look of embarrassed horror on his face. Yes. Like you want to yeah. talk about, you want to yes. talk about some immersive therapy. Let's put you in a room with a bunch of people that do the shit that you've been doing you, your entire life and you watch it just go to complete shit. And you're yeah. just like, oh fuck, I have been doing this. Yeah. Is this what I, it's like, it's like, is, is this what I look like? Is that what I sound like? Oh, God. like he just looked so horrified and it yeah. was so great. And then they all get out of there. And yeah, like Richard, e. Grant, I, I, it's like, also just, I need to say the fact that Richard E. Grant is giving these awesome speeches and this amazing performance while dressed in that <laughs> oh, awful OG dude. Loki awesome. outfit yeah. that doesn't yeah. fit right. Like he looks great. like, he looks like the like the meth addict at the Ren fair. Like, it's just like, he, it, but like, but then he's saying all this amazing stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, and this really does sum up, like, this is what Loki's our Loki's journey is, but he's like, look, it's, it's every, it's, it's a, it's a play on what Mobius said to Loki in the first episode. It's, we lie and we cheat. We cut the throats of every person who trusts us. And for what power, glorious power, glorious purpose. We cannot change. We're broken every version of us forever. Yeah. And again, this is like every, we're saying about every scene in this episode, it's a man in a yellow and green ill-fitting jumpsuit with giant horns on his head, giving this Shakespearean reflection on his existence. <laughs> Um, and then the other part that's great is like you get, he does. So when Loki kind of lays out the plan, Sylvie's mm -hmm. the one, they say they're on board. I was, I was talking to my brother about this, like, a mini like we've only met classic old Loki in this episode and he yeah. has an amazing mm -hmm. arc. And so when you're a writer, you kind of go back and like the second time I'm watching it, I'm like, all right, so like where, how, how, why did this work so well? And yeah. he has a line like when, when kid Loki is like, all right, I'm in, 
He's very clear. Classic Loki has a very clear line. He goes, we'll get you to Eliath, but that's it. And it's a simple line, but this lays out to you as the audience, like this is where he's at. And then there's there's a scene with Mobius and then the scene, but it's like to watch them build this little mini arc with just a few lines with him where you're like, bup, 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 bup. oh, this is super satisfying. And this was the first one you're like, okay, he's going to get them there, but then he's out because he's right. not going to help them beyond that because he's going to self-preserve like all Lokis do. Right. So I think that was important as we get to where he ends up. Absolutely. Uh, two things to note. Uh, the reason we keep calling uh, Loki President Loki is because that's what that character was in the comics. And it was a bit of a commentary on politics when it had his run in the comics as well. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Mike. Vote it was, Loki it was, I think it was a four yeah. issue. I think it was a four issue comic called Vote Loki yeah. that came out leading up to the 2016 election. And that that the way that <laughs> that Loki is dressed is what President Loki was uh, was dressed like. And, and for those of you, especially Laura, who are Star Wars fans, yeah, if this uh, removal of the right hand of, uh, of President Loki, uh, Feige has said numerous times how he's had that happen as an homage to Star Wars. So when <laughs> yeah. you see it happening, Aww. that's a little bit of that that was there uh, for sure. All right, let's uh, right. let's keep going into the but next. Does that then suggest that the removal of Luke's hand was an homage to Captain Hook? Because Captain Hook literally had his hand eaten by a crocodile which yeah, is yeah i'm gonna say oh, when alligator loki alligator. yeah i was gonna say when alligator loki jumps up on his hand i was like well this is some never never land bullshit right here <laughs> yeah. all comes back around to disney every time. <laughs> always every time all right, Mobius and Sylvie are having a discussion uh, in the uh, car, in the uh, quote-unquote Pizza Planet car of the veracity of the TVA and arguing. This is really great. Uh, once again, another conversation about, yeah. you know, one person's villain is another person's hero in this kind of thing. And Sylvie wants to find Loki but says she wants to destroy the TVA and the only way out is to go to through Eliath. So pretty interesting. Uh, and, uh, you know, she kind of calls him out for some of the stuff that he did as he calls her out for some of the stuff she did. So we get a little back and forth there. Now the Lokis are also talking about going to Eliath. Suddenly a battleship shows up out of nowhere. Uh, uh, Eliath kills all the sailors on board, which causes Loki to reconsider his idea of maybe going toe to toe with Eliath. Suddenly Loki sees the car uh, that Mobius and Sylvie are in uh, and is really united with Sylvie and Mobius. They all get introduced to each other, all the Lokis, everything like that. Uh, and then Loki reveals to Sylvie he was going to kill Eliath. Sylvie says that's a stupid plan. Michael, great point. Explains that Eliath is the guard dog to what's beyond the void, and she is going to enchant it, which elicits laughter from Loki. But she's not kidding, folks. And I love this moment. She's not kidding. Uh, then we go back to the TVA. Ravona is here with Hunter B-15, who was in a cell. They argue. This is a great back and forth as well. They argue about the loyalty uh, uh, and the TVA or to the TVA. Ravona wants to know what drives Sylvie since B-15 had her in her mind. And B-15 is pretty straightforward. She says revenge and killing whoever is behind the TVA. That's what drives her. And then she realizes that Ravona wants to find out who is behind it as well, but she says she won't succeed. You want it. Sylvie needs it. That's the difference. Then Ravona walks out and Miss Minute shows up out of nowhere and she asks for all the files for the creation of the TV. She says whoever created this place is in danger and she needs to find them. So there we go, Laura. And we understand now Ravona's end game here. She may not know what's going on beyond the voice. She may not know what's going on, who's running the TVA, but she wants to be a protector of the TVA. So what is her story that puts her in this position that she wants to protect the TVA? But anyway, what did you think about all the stuff that's happens here? The reuniting of Mobius 
Elias and, and Sylvie with Loki and the conversations about the enchantment of Elias. Well, you'll have to um, you'll have to you know remind me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if we've ever had a one-on-one scene between Mobius and Sylvie yet, or at least we haven't mm. had a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed this interaction between the two of them and how it really it was a it was a fairly quick resolution. I mean, you made the point of like you know they're kind of going back and forth a little bit, but you know eventually it ends with Mobius sort of being like, yeah, we did hunt you like a dog. Like I'm I'm <laughs> sincerely sorry about that, and I really appreciated that. <laughs> just it was kind of a humorous moment but it was just a great efficient interaction to sort of bring all of these three characters that i've sort of come to think of as the trio of the show um all together i i just i appreciated that um i do have to say there's you know we're talking about how the we have these tender moments between these characters in episode four or episode four and in this episode as well one of them that I totally like just didn't understand why this happened. But when when Loki sees Sylvie get out of the car, he runs towards her. And just as he reaches her, he stops and just like stands in front of her. And I'm just like, why aren't you grabbing her and hugging her? Like, I don't understand. And she's because just like, he doesn't oh, know how he doesn't to, know how he doesn't to do know that. Person. He, doesn't he doesn't know how to be a person. Like, oh, but he was so close in episode four. Yep. He was so close. And then he does the same thing with Mobius. He had to sit there yeah. and watch Mobius get pruned right in front of him. And he like had more emotion than when he's reunited with him here. He doesn't hug either of them. And it just drove me nuts. And I just wanted to be like, oh, like you guys are right. talking about how you it don't pays really off at the end of the episode, though. It does. It does but I wanted it here. I wanted it here. <laughs> we could have done something different at the end. It could have paid off in another way. You got to build that dramatic tension. <laughs> I wanted it. I wanted it. You guys talked about how you, do, how you don't care what the connection is between the two of them. Mm-mm, I ship it 100%. I'm 100% fair. Fair, so, fair. fair. I, sh- fair. I ship all three of them together, I think. You know, just oh, like, yeah. they should all kiss. <laughs> I'm not opposed to that either. Yeah. Color me on a post. Uh, but yeah, the fact that we get these, you know, the cute interactions now, but we're back right where we left off between like, you know, that was your plan. Seriously. Like, I just yeah. love how they're building in the humor to this show. They do it so seamlessly and so perfectly. And they had just the perfect cast to execute all of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I yeah. really appreciated it. One thing I do want to address about the Ravona uh, B-15 scene. Yeah. I think, and I haven't talked much about B-15 yet, but I, maybe you guys have addressed this. I love that they could have taken this character and they could have just made her like a sort of... She, they could have just made her like a, the muscle of the show. Oh, she yeah. could have just been yeah. this like meathead hunter enforcer of the show. But she's like this really complex character that they gave yeah. a complex storyline to. And I just love that. Yeah. And I, I love what we got out of her in episode four. And we weren't really sure where she ended up at the end of that. But now we see uh, from this episode, episode that she's in a cell somewhere. Um, but this conversation that she has with Ravona, I think, was really poignant. Um, and one that I really enjoyed watching. She's just, she's smart. She's yep. fucking smart. And it's fun to watch her, I think, kind of play with Ravona a little bit mm-hmm. in these scenes. Well, you know, that's why you cast someone like Wumi Musaka to play the role yeah. so that she, you, because you know you're going to, she's not going to have a, a crap ton of screen time, but the screen time she does have has to be layered and complex and have power to the exchanges that she has. And every single time she's appeared in any of the episodes, you have remembered her, remembered yeah. the scenes, remembered the exchanges. Same thing with Richie Grant. You know, uh, Emma keeps uh, coming back to it and it's a thousand percent. I tweeted it this morning. Richard E. Grant is a god. To see him, it would 
normally look terrible on anybody else, but there's even the shorts don't fit. That's how skinny uh, mm -hmm. uh, Richard E. Grant is. But the way he carries that costume that is such a ridiculous costume, he never loses his nobility, no matter how crazy that costume is. And that's why you cast someone like Richard E. Grant, because he can bring that Shakespearean thing you referenced, Michael, to uh, to his performance. So it's what do you think about this whole scene, brother man, uh, as it went down? Well, first of all, Hopelessness, Richard E. Yeah. Grant... Richard E. Grant reminds me, to, to your point on that front, it's like Ian yeah. McKellen and Cats. Oh, my <laughs> oh, God. God. Tell you Did right he bring now. the levity to the movie? Wow. Is that what, what I will you tell doing? you, Ian McKellen, look, <laughs> Cats, Cats is only good if you're on a lot of mushrooms, but Ian no, no, McKellen. No, no. Or if you're I mean, like, at, I've uh, heard. House at a I've morning. heard. I'm just telling you, when Ian McKellen gets up there and he's licking yeah. a bowl of milk, living his best life, and you're like, he's I committed. believe it. He's committed, just like Richard E. Grant in those <laughs> shorts. Uh, no, I thought. I, look, I thought that I thought that the Sylvie Mobius scene was really lovely. Uh, yeah. I do agree with Laura. Like that, that, these two have not had a ton of screen time, so seeing them together uh, and seeing sort of uh, Mobius, who is an expert on Loki's experience, sort of yes. probably the smartest of the Lokis, yeah. uh, was was really really great and lovely. Um, but then, yeah, for me, this Ravona B fifteen scene was great. I mean, just great. Uh, you really see sort of the the layers of Ravona peel back as B15 is sort of seeing what's going on right there. And I just love that differentiation of you'll never you'll never find them before she does. She, you want it and she needs it. And it's the idea yeah. of like, you know, like Ravona is too in control. She wouldn't mm -hmm. she wouldn't prune herself. Like Sylvie is like, there's no option but to do this. Ravona's trying to play the angles and she's not quite there. And it really got into even like their their conversation about when she was like, You're disloyal. And she's like, Disloyal to who? Like mm -hmm. they're not real. And the fact that for yes! Ravona stability is more important than the truth. Like yeah. she's like, we need to keep things stable. And I wrote down, I was like, truth versus stability is the same as chaos versus order. Mm -hmm. And that's what's great about this show is that, uh, you know, the, a really good antagonist is usually the diametric opposite, opposite of your protagonist. Yeah. And Loki or the Lokis are all about chaos. And the TVA has been, they're giving order to the timeline, but now Ravona is putting that order above the truth or anything else. Like it's more important to keep everything controlled than to let things get crazy. And on the other side of it, we've got uh, all of our Lokis who are literally chaos incarnate. So I thought it was a really cool scene that sort of underscored who Ravona was. And then yeah, when she walked out and this minutes popped up, I was like, that bitch. <laughs> But uh, I did think it was this, and this, I could be off on this, I could be off on this, um, but like, I also think it's interesting that Ravona, as much as she and Miss Minutes were doing their whole like, you know, Groundlings improv bit at the beginning, uh, to try and like trick uh, Sylvie, she mm -hmm. was kind of lying to Miss Minutes here too. She was like, oh, well the, you know, the timekeepers, you know, mm -hmm. are in danger, and so I need these files, and I'm like, well... Is that why you need those files, though? Right, right. Like, are you lying to literally everybody? It'll be interesting to see. Nothing says Miss Minutes is going to pull up all the files either. I got a feeling Miss Minutes has a little bit of her own protecting the TVA going on uh, as well, because she was certainly I, able to improvise on her own. That's essentially AI improvising get, on her own. Yeah. If they get if they get to that castle in the sky at the at, at the next episode, and the throne turns around and it's Miss Minutes with her legs crossed, being like. 
it's time. Like, I'm going to be like, I'm going to flip my, gonna flip my table and walk out of the room. <laughs> Emma, I, I, I go to you on this. And if you don't want to uh, approach it this way, mm-hmm. feel free. But for me, I feel like this is one of these brilliantly subtle and deft approaches to highlighting something in our society. You know, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier tackled racism right off the bat, right mm-hmm. up front, right? Uh, WandaVision tackling the power of grief and what that can do. This, in this whole subtle exploration of the systemic uh, uh, things that are in our society, she's, Ravona represents just keep it the same way. Yes. Don't mess with it. Even though other people are realizing or waking up, and we've seen the last few years, so many people waking up to the um, to the flaws in the things that we have become pillars of our society and asking for the change and almost waking up in the matrix to realize this has to be different now, but there's a pushback from the people who want to keep it all the same because they fear will descend into chaos if we don't keep it, even though the thing we're keeping is hollow. Yeah. So, and that's one of the things that's so brilliant about Wumi Masaku in the, yeah. in the scene where she's having the confrontation with Ravona is that Ravona is coming at her and like everything that she stands for is falling apart at the seams, but she is doing everything that she can to try and keep it together yes. while being like while willfully ignoring all the stuff that is so obviously terrible. And she's up against B-15, who's very steadfast in yeah. mm-hmm. it. Like she is completely unshaken by the conversation that she has with Ravona. Like I just got chills thinking about the mm-hmm. her performance in the scene where she's basically like, yeah, like you basically saying to her almost, you don't really believe in this. There's no way you can really believe in this. You are choosing to believe in this because it is easier for things to not change. And we see this happen in real life in in very subtle ways a lot of the time when, you know, I, and I mean, this is something that's very personal to myself and obviously it's on a very low level. Nobody is getting hurt by this, but the number of people that say things to me like, oh, am I missing you talk about, nerdy stuff and i'm like i i literally was on a on a tv show three days a week for all of august through december last year doing exactly that but it's because it wasn't the thing that they remembered me doing so Mm. like people are more resistant to change than you think they are and that is definitely something that loki is exploring through the character of ravona yeah i think the whole show is exploring this yeah really and i think that's the brilliance of this show because, as like I said, Rocket and Winter Soldier tackled it face on. Mm-hmm. This is tackling it on, like all the way down to a foundational level yeah. of our of our society. You know, initially I thought it was about you know taking apart religion. This show is taking apart our entire society <laughs> yeah. and asking, and even taking us apart as human beings all the way to our our own personal foundational levels and how we approach things and repetitive patterns in our lives that yield the same results. So it's just fascinating yeah. how deep this show has gone. Well, yeah, um, I mean, I think, yeah, but I think to that to your to your point, I mean, you are absolutely right about the bigger sort of society and controlling and through Ravona, it's that. But like, yeah. I think on a very personal level, I think every one of us struggles with a fear of we all try and control yes. our lives we all try and control yeah, we it's, don't, a con- it's we don't, definitely a we don't control be, thing we don't want to be we don't want to be chaotic <laughs> we are all afraid of connection in some way shape or form you know like we're all like we're putting yourself out there the fear of 
uh, betrayal, the mm. fear of you know someone not being there for you. Like that's something we all struggle with. And True. Loki is an extreme case of that. Yeah. Uh, and watching him sort of go on this journey of self discovery in the weirdest possible way yeah. uh, is really uh, it's personal and emotional as much as it is a so- sort of about bigger societal things as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. All right, we go back to uh, the Lokis there. Mobius and old Loki discuss uh, alligator Loki. Uh, Kid Loki asks Mobius why he wants to go back. And uh, Mobius says to tell the people the truth and to yes. burn it all down. Uh, and he says, uh, you know, it's never too late to change. Uh, and then Loki and Sylvie talk about Mobius. Uh, they out there, they're sitting outside uh, there while everyone else is in the bunker or in another place rather. And they're sitting outside and uh, it's cold. Uh, but Loki conjures a blanket only for himself. In that moment, I'm like, bro, what are you doing, bro? Bro, what are you doing? But she's so he's respecting her independence as a person, I think, or he doesn't know what to do in these moments. And Sylvie uh, asks him, uh, he said, I can conjure a blanket for you if you'd like. But Sylvie says, will not you conjure me a new outfit walking around in this is not easy. Um, and then Sylvie really opens up to him about talking about not having friends or anyone around or being able to connect with people. Uh, and as they're exchanging this commonality amongst themselves, uh, Loki takes it upon himself to conjure a new blanket that covers both of them. Uh, Sylvie makes a cute comment about it and how I think how it itches or whatever. <laughs> and then Sylvie wants to know and puts it on the table how she can trust that he won't betray her in the final moments. Wow. Uh, Loki delivers an incredible mini speech about knowing why he betrayed the people he loved. He knows that now, and he knows he doesn't need to do that again. Ladies and gentlemen, it's called growth. Uh, She says there will be a timeline for him to rule. Uh, Maybe there'll be a timeline for him to rule when this is all over after the void and they win. Um, And uh, he says, yeah, maybe. And then he asks what she will do. She says she doesn't know. And then Loki offers the possibility of them maybe ruling it together, the timeline. And she says, uh, maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> Mike, this is the sweetest effing scene I've seen it in is. a very, very long time. Even though they're both socially awkward with yeah. each other. Well, that's why it is. honesty in the interaction. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to I talk about the blanket scene because I think that's the best scene in the show. Oh. But right, really quickly so before that, just what you were saying. Yeah. Fucking Owen Wilson. Oh, like, yeah. Like, just yeah. like... He's like, ah, you know, it's been so many Lokis, but I don't remember an alligator. But, you know, maybe he's just an alligator that's into the long con. But then that makes him more of a Loki because you guys are all about the game within the game. And I respect it. And it was just like, oh, my God, Owen Wilson, like, you're so great. Um, and then as far as like the. It's a fireside chat. It's just, a fireside he's just chilling, just chilling Owen Wilsoning. Um, and then. On the Richard E. Grant mini arc, you know, I said earlier, he kind of like lays it out. He's like, we'll take you to uh, Eliath, but not any further. And when Owen Wilson, when Mobius says that thing about it's never too late to change to Kid Loki, the camera cuts to classic Loki. And he kind of like Richard E. Grant has like he's he, he pays attention to it's never too late to change. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. given like everything that Emma and Laura were saying about, you know, he's just this defeated guy who's seen some shit and is like kind of mm-hmm. like just kind of defeated, you know, like he's over it. And so like him hearing it's never too late to change is a key moment. But then, mm-hmm. man, this blanket scene, I mean, mm-hmm. God, it's great. Yeah. Uh, it 
it is like, to your point, like, yeah, he makes the blanket and it kind of, he's still Loki. It doesn't occur to him to make her, and then he realizes he doesn't, so he offers it, but of course she's a Loki, so she's not going to take anything for free, so she's like, oh, no, like, you could do this instead. And then they spend a little bit of time talking about, like, well, this thing Mobius said about the Nexus event, like, that's crazy, right? Yeah, no, it didn't mean anything. Like, they're both, they're sort of talking around everything because they don't know how to talk to each other. Uh, And then when she's like, she literally, she just, in this moment of vulnerability, she's like, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And he's like, I don't even know what we're doing. And she's like, I don't have friends. I don't have anyone. And I'm like, oh my God. And it's like, again, it's this weird meta thing because it's about two people who don't connect with anyone kind of taking those first awkward steps to connect with each other. Yeah. But at the same time... It's also about someone who's been a coward his entire life and doesn't really think he's worth a lot. Yeah. Finding this person who is him, who he's connected. Like, it's about self-love as much as it's about connection. It's crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I really did love, like, you know, when she says the thing, when she's talking about the betrayal, and she kind of does point out, she's like, you know, if we do this, you're probably good. There's probably going to be that realm that you can rule. And and he, he does this great moment, Tom Hiddleston, where he's like, ah, and then I'd finally be happy. And it's him realizing, mm-hmm. it, it's that thing that we all have where it's like, we all have that goal. Oh, well, once I rule a throne, once I yeah, kill yeah. Thor, once I win that Oscar, once I get that job, oh, well, then I'll be happy. And it's that moment where you realize, <laughs> oh, that's fucking no. stupid. Yeah, it's this, no. it's this right in front of me. It's this. And it's yeah. like the way he scoffs about it. Uh, and when he asked her what she'll do, he doesn't, you were, you were, you were right, but you were like quite, it, they don't she doesn't say we could rule together like it's not about them ruling anymore she literally what she actually says is uh you know when he's like well what are you gonna do and she goes i don't know and he's like maybe we can figure it out figure it out and i think the 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 unknown of figure it out the idea that like there's there's not that goal that thing that i want to achieve anymore it's like well we're it's chaos we're off the timeline like we don't we don't have a set plan anymore and watching these two sort of figure it out while at the same time both being Lokis is just, it's fucking weird, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, this was the moment it's rewarding. that rewarding. Very yeah, rewarding. It's rewarding. Yeah. It's yeah. super rewarding. This is the moment that I was like, Sofia DiMartino is, just went next level and is, a, is a, I want her in every MCU movie in some way, shape, or form. She's so great in this scene going toe-to-toe with, Lo- with Hiddleston, and it's so note-perfect in their chemistry and their interaction. The beats, the moments, the pauses, all of it just works so well. And what Michael said, it's what RuPaul says. If you don't love yourself, how the hell is how the hell you going to love anybody else? else? <laughs> That's right. Uh, Can I get an amen up in her? <laughs> <laughs> Emma, talk to me about this whole sequence. I mean, this must have broke you in some way, this awkward connection with these. It's so, you just love them so much. I here, right? just love them so much. And and hearing Mike talk about it, just mm. you really hit the nail on the head of the other level of this scene that I loved so much, which was so specifically that idea of, because I see people constantly in my circle who are, posting things about how they just want to achieve this one thing. And when they achieve this one thing, they'll be happy. And when they get to this point of their career, that's what's going to be the thing that's going to, it's going to make their whole lives better. And I think that like just me on a personal level, like I feel like I've been feeling a little bit like, okay, well, I don't, I don't think that's really the right thing for me. Like, I feel like for me, I, you know, I'm, 
going through some stuff transitionally as far as my own sort of work and and things go at this point where you know I'm dealing with the fact that it's like you know I did have basically my dream job for most of last year uh and or for a solid half of last year and you know this entire year it's kind of been dwindling down and so now I'm in a place where it's like okay I think I'm moving on to the next thing and not feeling sad about that mm. and also like getting the thing that I really wanted didn't make me I mean it did make me happy on some levels but it's not like it solved all of my problems and right. made everything great and it is also that idea of recognizing that like happiness is a it's a journey and a discovery and the more that you open yourself up to that journey and looking at what's right in front of you I yeah, like I, I had a moment last night where I, I mean, like this, the timing of this episode for me could not have been more perfect mm. because I had a moment because I was talking to somebody and kind of explained to them what had been going on with me. And I was like, and I had a moment where I was like, I do I not want enough? I just, I kind of just want to be happy. And what makes me happy is to enjoy the journey and embrace the unknown and figure it out, which mm. is literally what loki says to sylvie in this scene and so it's just like it was so beautiful and the way that they are trying to connect with one another as people who don't really fully understand human connection but being so honest and communicative with one another it's just it's just absolutely beautiful yeah Oh, yeah. I, I love everything you said. Being the old man in the room, I love everything you said. This is the process. This yes. is the transition time. Yes. You realize, oh, yeah, achieving all of this. But if I, if it's not, if this isn't 100% aligned with it, it's not going to bring you the joy that you think. And you only discover that in the journey of your yes. life. And everyone's got their own pace to it, for sure. Laura, I mean, we're, 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 we're telling truths here, revealing vulnerabilities here. What did this scene bring out in you? Other than finally you got them to, you got them to be closer to each other. What else uh, stood out for you in this scene? Oh, we're not going to cross that bridge today. I got to say, I mean, Emma kind of already took the words out of my mouth and that I was going to say, like, this was about the journey, I think, for mm. them. You know, when you talk about getting to yeah. that destination and then finding, like, now what? I think the now what is that this is not your happily ever after. This is just, right. you know, the beginning of something what could be new for Loki and Sylvie, I think. And it's just, it was really, really fun to watch these two characters who don't know a ton or don't understand a ton about human nature being played by actors who have to know everything about human nature in the way that there's little moments. I mean, at one point, I think it was like, you know, they're talking about, you know, our Nexus event. And yeah, that was like, that was a nice moment, but it sounds like another, it sounds like another TVA lie, right? Like Mobius was lying to us. And like Tom Hiddleston just looks at her with like this hopeful, sad expression that is just so perfect in the moment. And that's when they dive into the, you know, I don't know how to do this and I don't even know what we're doing. And, you know, it, it was just so, per- it was just so perfectly acted. I mean, this is yeah. everything that I've enjoyed about this show is, is yeah. any interaction I get between these two characters and these two actors playing them are just superb in this. And yeah, I mean, I have it in my notes in all caps, like Loki conjures a blanket and it's around both of them. And like, <laughs> oh, like, I think the thing that really killed me in that scene yeah. was not only that, 
in that moment that he conjures it for both of them, but she leans in just mm -hmm. a little bit. Yep. It's so subtle and so small, but it's so perfect. And I just loved it so yeah. much. And he smiles and the camera's not even looking at him. It's more centered on her. Yeah. But in that moment when she leans in, you can see him up in sort of the co top corner of the screen and he's just like smiling. And I'm just like, <laughs> and I love it so much. They're just, it's just so perfect. I loved everything about this scene and I just want the whole show to just be all of that. So yeah. it won't be, and that's fine. But I <laughs> loved it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, nine years ago, this son of a bitch tried to take over New York. Now we're all in love with this guy. It's I know. <laughs> what a journey. I was in love with him then, too, actually. So. Oh, oh here's right. to journeys. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, let's get to our last sequence here. All the Lokis are on the hillside looking at Eliath. Sylvia reveals that she linked to Eliath earlier, which is what we got to see, the slow motion sequence there when she first got to the void, and she knows how to enchant it. The other Lokis are staying. Kid Loki gives uh, our Loki a small sword. It's a great moment. He says, you're going to need this where you're going. Uh, he conjures up a little harness for the sword, does our Loki. And Mobius is going to the TVA through a portal to burn it to the ground. They share a hug. And I stopped here. Says, God damn it. I cried. I cried. I stopped the show. I, I, I was by myself this morning. My girlfriend was asleep. I was sitting on the couch. I cried for 10 minutes just because I love these two guys so much owen wilson and tom hiddleston their chemistry is so great you buy it and so their hug i was like oh my god finally they, and he's and he whispers to him <laughs> he says to him you're my favorite that was beautiful man that was beautiful so it's such a payoff um and, and now it's sylvie and loki and then when a branch appears uh, she, uh, so Sylvie says, when a branch appears, Eliath will focus on it, and she will enchant it, and here we go. They're standing there. The visuals are incredible in this sequence. He asks, what if they don't have time to wait for a branch? She says they'll have to cause a distraction, and then Loki runs and tries to cause this distraction to challenge Eliath to come get him. Sylvie is trying to enchant it or find the place to enchant it, but old Loki comes along. After Richard E. Grant said he was going to, only going to take him I to Eliath, here comes old Loki to create an even bigger distraction. This is something Michael mentioned, how he know how he looked over at this one line. It's never too late to change. This is him acting on it. And what does he build? I don't know about everybody else, but it looked like he built the Emerald City out of Wizard of Oz. Yeah, to me, that's what it looked it, like to me, too. I think... I think, yeah, I, I, think I, I think it was Asgard. I think it was oh, Asgard, yeah, but so. it was... But I, but I would, I want it to be the Emerald City. Yeah, that's but what I, I feel like. Too that I had a lot of thoughts. As soon as Sylvie was like, "We're gonna pass through the void and like see what's beyond it," I, it conjured images for me of the Wizard of Oz, of there like parting the curtains and it's just this dude like talking <laughs> into a speaker. Like, I'm, just, I'm just waiting for that guy leaning out. But why didn't just say so? All right, yes. well that's that's their <laughs> that's their distraction. They hold hands, Loki and Sylvie. They hold hands. They are going to enchant it because they are. It's Loki hesitates sylvie says no we can do this together because you have the power to do this as well this brings back that conversation about frigga earlier in the show this idea of what he was taught how he was taught uh, to be a little bit of a sorcerer what have you so mm -hmm. she encourages them they're going to enchant it together because they are the same they begin the enchantment as old loki uses all of his energy to combat Eliath until it comes for him and sadly uh, takes him out and kills him. God, that broke me. This is how I, I wrote this. I wrote this because he says, glorious purpose. 
and it completely consumes him. And I said, this is how I'm going to die. I know it. Uh, Sylvie, <laughs> Sylvie and Loki hold hands even tighter. Is it love or is this the care for each other that allowed them to enchant it? That's what I'm kind of, I was thinking, is it their love? Not necessarily has to be romantic, just their love for each other that gives them the power to do this and enchant Eliath. Eliath opens up. There's a castle on a hill with some universal energy streaming from it with interesting colors that evoke King the Conqueror there. And the show ends. Wow. Uh, wow. what, what, uh, ending we got here. Um, Emma, I'll go to you first on this one. Uh, uh, reactions to this ending. Power of connection, baby. When the Lokis <laughs> learn to love themselves and love others, which we do see love between Loki and an other who is not a Loki that of course being Mobius. Uh, yes. I, I, when Loki looked at him and there was that pause moment and then he walked over, I was like, I was like, oh, just give him a hug. Actually, I think I probably said kiss, but you know what? I was fine. I was fine with the hug. Um, <laughs> uh, it, no, it was it was just so great. And and when old Loki stepped in oh, and God. and started and and also the other Lokis, Loki, Loki, and Sylvie yep. Loki, going, oh, he's more powerful than we realize, but yes. because yeah. he does, he looks like this ridiculous. I mean, it's the outfit. It really throws you off. <laughs> uh, and then to just see him step in and be like, you know what? Like, and, and the fact that both he and Kid Loki and Alligator Loki all decide to stay because they're like, no, yes. this is our home. And not only do they have a connection to one another, they have a connection to this location. Yeah. Uh, and so then to see that all channeled through OG Loki using his magic to really create a distraction and not the blades because the blades are freaking useless. <laughs> right. Waving the flaming sword turns out not, not enough. Uh, and then the combined powers of the two Lokis doing the enchantment. I got so happy when yeah. Tom Hiddleston Loki was able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Laura, talk to me about this end sequence. What stands out to you? What effect did you do? What, you got the hug with Mobius and Loki there, uh, but we also got Sylvie and Loki holding hands using their power of connection to uh, finally uh, break through Eliath. Um, I think the thing that stood out the most for me in a lot of these end scenes was the music. I mean, it oh. was just, music in this I show cannot, is so good. You're so it right. is, and I can't wait till we get the volume four through six uh this soundtrack up on spotify or something because mm -hmm. one through three is good but man the music in this particular episode it just was it was great yeah. um especially i think it's like when kid loki gives loki the sword i mean there's a there's a music cue there that's just absolutely oh, yeah. gorgeous you're right um so yeah the, the hug between mobius and loki was super satisfying i really appreciated <laughs> it i needed that moment but it's fine it's fine it still worked out it was still like it, it just, I think, was really, really perfect. Um, there was, let me think, there was one thing I wanted to say about the hug, and okay. now I think I've lost it. Okay. That's okay. I'll come back to it. I'll, oh, I'm sure I'll Is that calling him his favorite? Is that something that, no? Is that no, no, I really okay. enjoyed, I really enjoyed that point, too, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> I got to say, though, the handy, oh, my God, I wish I could come back to it. It's all right. I'll okay. find it. No worries. We'll just move on. Right. But um, there's a, there's a, I think a line that Moby says to Loki, where he says, like, you know, it looks like 
you got whatever you look looks like you got away in the end oh well and kind of just walks away and that's that was really satisfying loki i always do what will you do back at the tva and he says burn it to the ground thanks for the spark and i just thought that talk about like perfect writing it was just a really beautiful i think farewell between the two of them yeah not sure if it's forever i would love to yeah maybe there'll be more we'll see but if that's (laughs) what we get this season (laughs) i know but if that's what we get this season i think i can still walk away satisfied from that i agree Uh, but i think conjuring the kingdom of asgard (laughs) right out of the ground was just like so awesome to watch and then upon a rewatch thinking about what that must have been like for richard e grant standing in front of like a blue okay. screen oh my god like, i thought the same outfit. thing yes, just like, i thought the same uh, thing and the thing is is like richard e grant is just he is so delightful i yes. remember when he was first cast in rise of skywalker and he put this video out like so tickled that he got to be in star wars yep. i mean you know you just know that he had to have been so delighted doing this in absolutely not caring about how dumb it looked and i bet it looked really dumb right up against that blue screen so he just he was just yucking it up and it was so perfect yeah. uh, but he does say something john you know you say mm. if you're gonna be yelling glorious purpose yeah, upon probably. your death i hope that you also do what richard e grant did in this scene and that is go out laughing maniacally glorious purpose he is That's laughing like a maniac as he goes out and that is just perfect i, I think it's a laughter of <laughs> i figured this out i'm doing yeah. something finally that matters that is decent yes. for someone else I'm understanding what this feeling is like to do something for someone else. I've betrayed, lied, cheated, stole, whatever. Throughout, this is the moment that I've been waiting for. So the the character that said that we're oh. all broken. Yes, is, that is what he ends on, and it's just yeah. it's just a great yeah. ending for for him. Yeah. I think it was Michael great. knows me. I'll go out maniacally laughing. He knows I will. <laughs> uh, uh, Michael, oh. so- <laughs> that's absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, yeah that's true. Uh, real quick, all these Easter eggs here, Michael. Before we get into that, we, we, the, the Living Tribunal. We saw the heads of. We saw a helicarrier. We saw the Thanos captor. We saw a chopter, chop, copter. We mm-hmm. saw um, Ronan's ship there yep, on the ground Ryan's. as well. Yeah. We saw so many things throughout this whole There's thing. So much. Right. And I'm gonna go Kang, back to the Conqueror possibly at the end. So please go ahead. Yeah. Well, we'll get. Let's get to. Well, yeah. So I'll get. I'll get to Kang. My Kang yeah. will be my final thought there. But uh, the, my favorite out of all the Easter eggs, just because like there's a lot. Of, yeah. You can go through this. And there's probably stuff that we're gonna be seeing for weeks as people like go back through and go through it. The Thanos copter is great mm-hmm. because if anyone doesn't know, you know comics get a little stupid sometimes. And in the <laughs> 70s, if okay. all you know of Thanos is you know this big heavy in Infinity War that like destroyed the universe and it's awesome, that's his best end. He did fly around in a helicopter in the 70s. And the <laughs> fact that that is canon now, like you see the, the mad titan coming in, it's like, thup, 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 thup. it's so stupid. Um, <laughs> so I, there's a, you, guys, you guys hit most of the great moments uh, that were in all of this. Um, but I love, uh, one of the things I loved was that Sylvie gives Loki the temp pad mm-hmm. uh, before, before Mobius gets it. And I just mm-hmm. love that. Yep. She get all Loki's trying to do once he gets there is to get out of there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he 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 wants to get back and she literally hands it to him. She says, yep. "Here." And the Loki that we know could have been like, "Sweet, later." Boom. Bye. Left. And he didn't. And I think that was such a great moment uh for to do that. 
um, which I thought was super, super beautiful. Um, and then, yeah, as far as them being able to do this, like, look, I worked on a show for several years called Friendship is Magic, so I am a firm <laughs> believer that friendship is magic. True. And this was 1,000% a friendship is magic moment. Uh, like, when we were working on My Little Pony, you would get to the end of the season and you'd have this moment where, like, friendship wins and they all yes. shoot rainbow lasers. Yes. And, like, we were, like, we would always be, like, we'd have these meetings and we're, like, why does this rainbow laser moment happen? And you didn't need some kind of magical explanation as long as you justified like the friendship moment was so strong. Yeah. And this moment worked 100% on My Little Pony rules, which was Loki's like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. And she's like, yes, you can. They touch hands. Connection. That's the thing. It's all about the connection. And then she squeezes his hand in that moment of like, I know you've got this. And then he's got it because yeah. friendship is magic. And it yep. was powerful yep. and amazing. And then Richard E. Grant, the, oh, you guys nailed it. Laura, I was right there with you on my second rewatch. I'm like, this motherfucker is on a green screen. <laughs> and I might be wrong about this, but I think I'm right. Like in, in the classic Thor comics, Loki, whenever he was doing his powers, had this Loki chaos mischief dude pose which was sort of yes. like crouched yes legs yes. legs sort of yes. knees pointed can, out yes. hands like whatever and he's like Aha, i'm loki i'll get you thor and like richard e grant if you go watch that scene as he's like rising asgard that is his pose like he's doing that stupid loki pose and everyone in the world this this morning and last night at midnight was like fuck yeah man yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, it cracks oh, I love me up. that detail. That's so yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. It really, it really, really just cracks me up. Yeah. Um, Give that man an Emmy and a Golden oh, Globe. Seriously. Uh, you know, and then, yeah. <laughs> and, and like Johnny said, and like Johnny said, I mean, this is like, look, if you're a writer, that that is a character arc in three beats. Yes. Yep. We, we will take you to Eliath. We will take you to Eliath, but we won't go any further. You're never too old to change. I changed. changed and I'm super happy. And like, yeah, I think you know, like that when he yells glorious purpose at the end, I wrote down, I was like, glorious purpose has been this thing that Mobius and everybody has made fun of Loki for, for the entire thing. Cause your glorious purpose was a throne yeah. to rule over people, to be powerful. <gasps> and in his final moment, his glorious purpose is a sacrifice for other people I, like that. Uh, yeah. Like I it's would, great. Uh, Mike, I would argue He's the only Loki that actually achieves glorious purpose in that yeah. moment ever of any Loki ever. That's yeah, totally. so far. So, so far. Um, yeah, so and then far. like, look, and then you get to the end and like they do it, they enchant that thing, they open their eyes, the thing opens up, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry <laughs> is sitting right there and they're like, let's go, let's go see what Professor McGonagall is doing and they go, <laughs> and so like, I will, but I will say like, I know that when we all watch WandaVision, all we could do is talk about Mephisto. And I know that everyone is like, Kang is the Mephisto, but yeah, like, right. there are a few key, I, I don't know that we're gonna see Kang right. in this last episode. I, we may not, and he may not, and I don't know that he is the big bad behind the TVA. I'm really curious to what you guys think, who that person is, but I will say the difference between Kang and, I got in this argument with someone today, the difference between Kang and Mephisto is, we know there's a Kang. Yes. He has Jonathan been Majors. cast. Yes. He yes. is coming. And they are dropping Kang bombs left and right in the show, even more yeah. than they did with Mephisto. So I'm not saying that I think that next week they're going to get to Hogwarts and all of a sudden they like turn in like, and like Kang is going to be standing there. But I do think the fact that Kang is a time traveling villain who we know is coming and we are literally about to see them unravel time or whatever is about to happen. I, I, I would be surprised if, 
not that he has to be in it, but whatever happens and whatever they do here ultimately does lead to Kang in some way. Yeah. Mm. It's funny. You saw Hogwarts. I saw the castle at the end of Skyfall with James Bond. That, it's very, <laughs> that's what I saw. So it's very well, similar to what I saw. So that tracks. Go. That tracks for both of us. <laughs> it really does. Um, do you two uh, want to chime in? Do you, uh, Laura and Emma, do you guys have an idea of who might? Do you think it'll be Kang? Do you think it'll be something else? Do you think it'll be a mystery they'll answer in a movie later after the show is or done? Or season two. Or, yeah. Yeah. Loki. Loki's the only. I might be. I might be wrong on this, but Loki's the is. only one out of the first batch that got picked up for two for a, a second, second season. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So I think it would not be necessarily satisfying if we don't get a revelation of yeah. who's behind it. But because there is a second season, I do think there are ways to wrap it up in a way that is satisfying. My only thought, and I had it just now, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's correct because mm -hmm. I don't think narratively it would make sense given the journey of Loki. But what if like it was another Loki variant? A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people think that. A lot of really? people think that. Okay. I wondered the same thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because uh, I don't what, know enough you... about the rest of the the comics and all these characters in the in the wings to mm -hmm. have any guesses to who it would be. Laura, Laura's like Laura's like it's Ezra Bridger. <laughs> <laughs> they found him. No, I actually, I mean, speaking of like Loki, though, I mean, I did wonder if there's any chance that either, and, and I'm not so I'm not thinking this as much about Mobius now, but if Mobius mm -hmm. or Ravona is by chance another Loki variant. And well, I don't, and, I don't think yeah. it would make sense, but yeah. there was part well, of me that wondered that. And along the lines of it being potentially another Loki variant, because that to me, the the way that that would work is because we have like met the timekeepers as robots. Yeah. Um, and so maybe actually Loki already achieved what Loki set out to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's very possible. Yeah, I like I that idea. I like that idea. Um, yeah, I'm keeping all options open because I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, it could be. be. And like, and then, like, the, the best part is, it's like usually something that none of us have thought yeah. of, and they like yes. curveball on us. But right. it's interesting because like, there's a couple things we all we all know that multiverse of madness is spinning out of this, and that's yeah. happening. And also, most people are relatively sure, and I think so that the whole what if animated series that's coming out is also spinning out oh, from yeah, this. Right. That you know that like that if if whatever they do in this next episode sort of spins out the timelines with nobody to prune them, all yeah. of a sudden you have a world where Peggy Carter mm -hmm. is Captain America and Marvel zombies and all and, and uh, T'Challa goes right. into space instead of mm -hmm. Peter Quill and all the things that we know we're going to see in What If. So I don't know if we're going to solve it or if we're like, you know, it's, it's really, really yeah. interesting because for a while I thought it was going to be, well, the show is about Loki variants and the show is about Loki dealing with himself. So it would make sense that the big bad would actually be Loki and you get to the end of... It's like Scott Pilgrim. You get to the end and you have to like kind of face yourself. I, I don't know that that would be if they if they sold it right. It could be satisfying, but I don't yeah. know. I, I'm yeah. I'm I'm definitely I'm I'm a Johnny. I don't have a firm yeah thought uh, except that I'm really excited about it. I I, yeah. I can't wait to see where they go. This is the thing. I've earned. Uh, they've earned me not speculating about it. Like I'm you. I'm on the ride. So take me where you want to take me. I a thousand percent trust you. Yeah. Uh, you know. I'm holding your hand. You enchant me. I'm. I'm down. Let's make it happen. <laughs> uh, so I'm down. All right. Uh, well, there we go. That's our uh, spoiler review episode. Oh, one last Easter egg. The ship that comes in. That's the USS Eldridge. The USS Eldridge is uh, rumored to be part of the quote unquote Philadelphia experiment that supposedly happened in the fifties, where they disappeared an entire naval ship 
ship. The Navy has always denied it. Never happened. Mm. Oh, maybe the TVA did it. So that's why that ship is in there. Nice. nice nod maybe to the people who are in the I was wondering the about that. Yep. It's, and it's a film in the 1980s starring Martin Sheen that based on that uh, legendary thing. So, But it's considered an urban legend or a hoax, but some people consider it to be a true thing that's UFO related. So who knows? It was the TVA the whole time. All right. All right. That's our uh, spoiler review episode for episode five of uh, Loki Journey into Mystery. Thank you all so much for uh, joining us. And thank you definitely to the two ladies who joined uh, Michael and I for <laughs> this review. Uh, let's start with Laura Kelly. Laura, where can the people find you and everything that going on, please? Sure, come find me at my podcast, which is Force Toast, a Star Wars happy hour where my friend and I drink wine and talk about Star Wars, and it's a lot of fun. You can also find me on Twitter at ShutUp underscore Laura, and you can find me performing at the Schmodown's Collision event at the end of July. Uh, I'm not sure actually if tickets are available yet or not, but keep an eye out if they are. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and at some point, Laura and I are bringing back Jedi Way. At some, I think next week, <laughs> finally, once and for all. Uh, Emma sure. Five, thank you again for of coming out and hanging out with us uh, this week. Please tell everybody what you got going on as well. Yeah, so I'm at Emma Fife all over the internet, wherever Emma Fives are sold. Uh, I've got a Twitch channel. I'm out there doing stuff. I might be working on something pretty cool next week, but I nice. can't talk about it yet. Okay. Um, and also, um, yeah, I don't know. Just like, I'm just like living my life. I, I tweet about the stuff that I'm doing. So, yeah. oh, oh, I'm going to be on uh, Josh Birdie on uh, oh. the Good People Association on Friday. I believe I'm competing against Jen Sturger. So that should be a blast. Oh, wow. Nah, that, that should be fun. That's for yeah. sure. Um, all right. So, uh, uh, Michael, I guess I'll do the Shannon part of this. Thank you all so much for watching. Here's where you can follow us on uh, Twitter. Please follow the geek buddies at geek underscore buddies on Instagram. We are at the underscore geek underscore buddies. Uh, if you want to follow Shannon on Instagram, uh, you can follow him at Shannon, the geek buddy on uh twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung uh, you follow if you want to follow mr michael vogel it is at game mk tune if you want to follow me it's at the roca says or if you're going on twitch the outlaw nation so uh michael what do we have to tell him it was good you didn't have the lilt to your voice that shannon has <laughs> no, like it's almost, when he does it it's almost melodic though and you can follow him it's good though it's good it's good though all right i got something um... melodic for you yeah go ahead anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, as Rampart, look, it, I don't care if you are boastful, classic, kid, or alligator. We <laughs> love having as many people here as we can. All variants welcome. Uh, and, and here's what you can do to help us get some more people. Uh, you can hit the like button below. Uh, definitely join Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. There is a ton of great stuff. Some with me, some with these lovely ladies, some with a lot of other people. He's got a lot of stuff going on. He's a very very busy man uh leave some comments below tell us what you thought about this episode uh what were your favorite moments what do you think this show is about what do you think is going on with sylvie and loki and most importantly who do you think is going to be at hogwarts when they get there next week like uh send us some owls let us know uh tell us below and if you are listening to us on anchor or spotify or apple podcasts um leave us some stars leave us some comments it helps us go up in the rankings which is the best way for people to find us and even beyond that the bestest bestest thing you can do is retweet this video post it on your social media pages tell everybody to check out the geek buddies um our weekly show our spoiler reviews for loki our spoiler reviews for the bad batch that we do with laura kelly and mm -hmm. upcoming our spoiler reviews of what if i'm sure we're going to do a black widow review if it's something super geeky and cool we probably gonna talk about it and you won't come <laughs> check it out that's right if you haven't watched our uh, uh, our regular show that we dropped uh yesterday 
please go back and watch that as well. We talked about a lot of things there as well. All right, that's it from us. Take care of yourselves. Be well and get ready for that season finale of Loki. It is coming, and I think it's going to break all of us and every one of you that's watching as well. Uh, and we'll talk to you next time on another brand new spoiler review episode from the Geek Geek <laughs> Buddies! Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! <laughs> Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.